Hello, dear listeners. Welcome to Psychiatria, the show where we explore true healing and everything that might mean. I am Danny, your host, guide, and fellow human on this journey. And today I am talking with Dr. Kimberly Cranford about one of our favorite subjects in the whole world, minimalism. Now, the word gets thrown around a lot these days, and as soon as I said it, you probably started picturing nearly empty studio apartments and capsule wardrobes and the iconic man in a black t-shirt and all of those things that social media kind of associates with minimalism. But there's so much more to minimalism than all of that. And that's the part of minimalism that myself and Dr. Cranford really get jazzed about. Minimalism is a mindset and a philosophy that will infiltrate every aspect of your life if you let it. And when you do, it has the potential to work some serious soul healing magic. I've loved minimalism for a long time. I've seen this magic at play, and I am so, so glad to share this conversation with you. But before we get started, I want to clarify a timeline that shows up in this episode. Uh, If you've listened to the previous episode I did on space, then you'll know that I am now living in an Airbnb in Salt Lake City, Utah. But when I recorded this episode with Dr. Cranford, I was still in Michigan. I hadn't moved yet. So I talk about that moving, packing, like that whole process uh, as it really relates to this conversation. So just wanted to clear that up. And uh, now that I've done that, without further ado, let's get started. Okay. Welcome back to the podcast, Kimberly. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. (laughs) And now I'm realizing I just said welcome back. This is our second time trying to record this episode. So uh, we are learning through, I am learning through technology and (laughs) trying new (laughs) things. Um, But yeah, I'll uh, go ahead and let you say a few words about yourself to the listeners to tell them who you are. Sure. So if I had to identify as anything, I would probably say that I am a free spirit, free thinker that happens to have gone through the conventional medical training route. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Today we have a topic in mind for most of the conversation, something that both of us really love to talk about. And uh, before we get into that, I just want to give people a little bit of background on kind of how you got here and got into psychiatry in the first place. So how did that journey start for you? What, What made you decide to go into this field? Yeah, sure. So I initially decided that I was going to be a physician in high school, I want to say like my sophomore year of high school. And then I just kind of beelined for the finish line, um, tunnel vision. And the reason I chose that is because I, at the time, really felt like what I wanted to do with my life is, is very much contribute and help people. And I knew that I was good at school. I was good at science. Um, also, you know, very much creative as well. And I thought that would be something additional that I could, could bring to the healing arts because, Mm -hmm. you know, doctoring is both an art and a science. Yeah. And so I, I just thought at the time, you know, medical school, becoming a physician, it would be kind of the best fit for me. And, um, one thing led to another, I worked hard. I kept studying. I just kind of, you know, once I decide something, I don't, I stubbornly don't let go of it. And, um, went through med school, 
realized pretty early on that psychiatry was would be a good fit for me out of all the different options. I, I strongly considered surgery for a while as well because I really like to work with my hands. Um, I think that's that creative part of me. And the reason I decided on psychiatry is um, I felt like it was the one specialty where, you know, physicians weren't quite as pressured for time and could still really focus on what's this person's story, like really be able to sit with them, um, hear their, hear their narrative, hear their background, um, kind of help carry their emotional burden with them. And somewhat recently, I've been working on a project where I'm a writing project. And because of that, I'm, I'm reading through like all of my old journals all the way back from starting like fourth grade, I think is when I first started wow. <laughs> writing. I wow. know. And mostly to try and figure out, well, part of this writing project is I'm trying to figure out like on a subconscious level, what is it that drew me to medicine? Because mm. the narrative I told myself is, you know, I'm good at science. I really want to help people becoming a doctor like is an obvious way to do that and I, I'd be able to do it but I think um there's a lot of complicated factors that lead someone into the the healing professions the helping professions um mm -hmm. medicine and so I'm kind of embarking on like a deep dive as to why on earth did I end up going into this field and, and the reason I started asking this question is because medical education is actually really pretty toxic. Yeah. And when I, when I noticed that, that the culture of medical training is like, so is like the antithesis of actual healing. I thought to myself, why was I pulled in this? What about my psyche pulled me in this, um, in this kind of like masochistic direction or like, is there anything that, that allowed me to go into this field? Cause I, I feel like the whole time I was in training, I very much felt like a walking contradiction because I'm this like free spirited, ever questioning creative soul is kind of like how I, how I see myself now. And I just, the whole time I just felt like a fish out of water, you know, because free expression, um, that, you know, there even is a such thing as asking the wrong questions. You don't want to come across as looking like you don't know what you're talking about when you're just a student, which I'm like, that's not really conducive to real learning. Um, there's, mm -hmm. there's a lot of factors that people don't realize um, need to be addressed in medical education. And so, yeah, I mean, long story short, I'm, I'm still kind of like trying to figure out what, what is it that drew me into, into medicine. And the reason I brought that up <laughs> in a long-winded way of getting around to answering the question is um, one of the things that kept coming up as I'm reading through my journals is like, I just, is I kept writing, I don't want to, I want to help people realize that it's not so bad mm -hmm. as far as the pain that we feel that I think automatically comes with the human experience, whether you have experienced trauma or not. I think having difficult emotions and experiencing suffering and pain is, is part of being human. And I kind of knew that and felt that from a very young age, even, you know, even before I really experienced any, anything that could, could be considered difficult. And I just, yeah, I, I think that is a huge factor that drew me into medicine is, is just really wanting to be there emotionally for people to help them realize that it's it's first of all okay to experience pain and that they had someone there to help them through it mm -hmm. absolutely and i you know probably goes without saying but you're speaking about all kinds of pain you know mental emotional physical and obviously you're in psychiatry so a lot of that's um intangible pain it can translate to tangible pain but you know, so I think it's, um, you know, we can kind of see how these questions and explorations and your desire to just really help people and kind of sit with them uh, as they experience what they're experiencing led you into this 
more holistic version of your practice. Is that kind of how you see it too? Absolutely. Yeah. Because if you are someone who has an open mind and that kind of bent, like you really truly want to get to the root of what's causing someone's suffering, it's not long before you turn over one stone that you're going to find all kinds of different, you know, healing modalities that we, that we tend to label as holistic or alternative. And yeah, I just found myself realizing, you know, we call all of this stuff holistic or we do right now in this day and age. But at the end of the day, in my mind, it's all just medicine. Like this is, these are all different techniques and healing practices that work. Mm -hmm. You know, I took a Hippocratic oath and it's my job as a physician to present to my patient everything I know that's available, whether that happens to fall into more conventional practices or not, and basically inform them of what, what they can use and give them as much information as is available and let the, let the patient choose. Because I think it's bad medicine if you know that there's something out in the world that doesn't have any side effects and you don't, you don't present that option and instead only prescribe a medication that does happen to come with a slew of side effects. Um, I think that's really doing, doing the patient that you're working with a disservice. And so um, that's kind of my perspective on all different healing modalities, whether it's conventional or holistic. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's really, really well put. Um, and something that I'll just sort of put it into words now that came up in our previous conversations is, I think it's just sort of, it's like novel and interesting to, to both of us and a lot of people in this, this area, like this holistic you know, world, um, that the things that we call alternative and holistic and like are like actually the things that heal, you know, are actually the things that are our medicine and not usually the drugs and the medications, right? Like this differentiation between medication and medicine. Uh yes. <laughs> is really important um and yeah i think it's so cool that you are getting to practice this now as a holistic psychiatrist and this me too next phase for you yeah um and i imagine that there's there's a lot of letting go in that process i know we've talked about that too about how you've you've observed some things from your training sort of coming up and you're like oh wait does this really align with what I want to do now? Does this match my values? And uh, I think that's kind of a nice transition into what we're going to talk about today, which is minimalism. Woo! Yes. <laughs> <Woo>. <laughs> yeah. Um, and just to kind of set the scene for everybody at home, I am currently in the midst of uh, moving and. Uh, parsing out and rehoming many of my possessions and many things in my life um over the last few days I've I've had friends come over and just take like be like whatever you want just take it and they <laughs> take like bags of things and boxes of plants and like it's so fun to just see it like going to them and be like I know this person and I know they're gonna love this thing as much as I did um, so it's a cool experience in that way, but, uh, yeah, this whole idea of minimalism is something that is, I think, really special and really powerful to both of us. Um, so I know we're both psyched to talk about it. I guess let's, let's start with sort of, a a brief definition of, of what minimalism is, because I think this is, uh, Maybe not a controversial thing, but there are many different ideas out there and many ways to understand minimalism. So how do you define it for yourself? Yeah, that's a really good question. And I think a very important one to address right at the get-go. I think, well, first I think I'll address um, a misconception about minimalism. Because whenever I mention to someone that I 
identify as a minimalist, I think they they automatically assume that there's the specific aesthetic that you you see online and like on YouTube. And one time I um, was working on something in like Google imaged minimalism. And it's like, you know, very sparse, white walls, white bed sheets, a green plant or two. And there's always like a cup of coffee. Yeah. <laughs> something on the <laughs> table. And the minimalists I don't, really like their coffee. They really do. It's strange. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know where it comes from. And their um, black t-shirts. And their black t-shirts. Yeah. And for for the male minimalists, the there's often like a beard involved too. Yeah, it's like less you got less stuff, so you have more facial hair. Is that <laughs> is that what it is? <laughs> we gotta fill the void with something. <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> it's hilarious, Funny. but no, I think um, I think that version of minimalist minimalism is is accurate for some minimalists, but not for all. And to me, minimalism is more a mindset than anything. It's like a, a way of life. And basically, it's going to look different for everybody. And, and it is, I think it's defined as keeping only, keeping that in your life only, um, only the things that serve you, you know, only the things mm-hmm. that bring you consistent joy or serve a practical purpose. Mm-hmm. And anything else is considered clutter and would be best removed from your life is kind yeah. of how I see it. Yeah. And like, for example, just to kind of prove the point that like, I am definitely not the, <laughs> not the, I, I, you know, I have like one little bed sheet on the ground that I sleep on and have no other belongings. <laughs> um Shoes happen to bring me a great deal of joy. Like I'm a shoe fanatic, mm. which you would mm-hmm. think isn't really compatible with minimalism, right? Yeah. But um, I'm also having a funny moment because I've only ever met you virtually. So like I've literally never seen you from like the waist down. <laughs> so I'm like I had no idea that you even wore shoes. You know, like I never even thought about your feet and what they might inhabit. So that's funny. That is but funny. Yeah. Yeah. It is well, not something you peg for like a stereotypical minimalist. Yeah. <laughs> Especially one that you only know virtually. Yeah. And it, and it is funny because I do happen to enjoy spending as much time, as much of my time barefoot as is possible. In fact, right now I'm not wearing any shoes, um, but I, I do really like shoes. And I I'd probably say that I have about 15 pairs, which I don't think is too bad, but like not what most people would probably consider minimalist. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I, I think it looks different for everybody, but it, it, yeah. it just involves getting getting out of your life that which no longer serves you and just kind of regularly cultivating that mindful mindset Mm -hmm. and as as you practice that it just becomes it truly becomes a different way of seeing yourself and the world that I think opens up so many other doors that I didn't that I didn't even know would be there to be opened when I first kind of started this journey yeah yeah I one of the other ideas that has been really integral in my understanding of of minimalism is values and uh um keeping things both physical things and activities practices relationships etc that align with your values you know which requires you to first figure out what your values are um, and to know that your values today may be different from a year ago and will probably be different a year in the future, at least to some extent, you know, values kind of tend to change, but change slowly over time, I think. So that's, uh, I think that's another cool way to think about it. You know, it's like you value having fun things to put on your feet when you want to put something on your feet. So you have 15 <laughs> pairs of shoes and that's fantastic. And like. I 
value having living things in my space. So I had like 15 plants and <laughs> uh, not super minimalist, but you know, I um, don't value having fun things to put on my feet. So I think I have like four pairs of shoes that all are for like a designated purpose. And uh, yeah, yeah, that's kind of a, I think values are sort of a tricky thing to talk about, but it's a fun exercise to, it's important exercise, I think, regardless of if you are trying to be a minimalist or not, to sit down and think about what you value. Um, and there are some, actually, I learned about this from this sort of way of thinking about minimalism from the, the minimalists. Um, mm-hmm. And I know they, I'm sure, have some essays or a podcast episode or something about it. So I'll, I'll dig that up and link it below because I think they do a better job of explaining it than I would here. Yeah, that values. That's a huge part of minimalism, I think. And you put it beautifully. Um, what I thought of is how I remember. So speaking of the minimalists, they one of their videos. So I've been following them for a long time, ever since I kind of got involved with this lifestyle. Mm-hmm. And one of the things they, they, one exercise, I forget what they call it, but they have you write down in one column, kind of all of the things that you own and spend, and then also what you spend most of your time doing. And then in the other column, writing down your values, what you, what you truly want to be dedicating your time and energy towards. And what they what they said and what I also kind of noticed in my life is that they're because we live in America, which is basic like what we value, whether we realize it or not in this country is consumerism. We spend mm. so much time buying things, watching things, consuming media, physical goods, you know, that in this exercise, you really just it's like right in your face how what you truly value doesn't really match up with all this time and energy energy that you're putting into um, consuming and maintaining the physical things in your life. Or mm-hmm. also, you know, spending so much time at a job that you don't like, or, you know, it gets in kind of gets into the nitty gritty of yeah. values. And what I find is even if, you know, when you first start engaging in minimalism, even if it doesn't dramatically change your life or your job or whatever, it kind of just brings to the forefront this exercise of really questioning your choices and your lifestyle. And Mm. slowly but surely, if you engage in that thought process, you can't help but make subtle shifts here and there. I, I just found in my own life that that's what happened. Like it's, it's this ongoing journey that I don't think ever really ends. Yeah. Well, yeah, let's let's get into your your story here. I think you have sort of a like classic I found minimalism and dove headfirst into it story. So, <laughs> yeah, let's go there. Okay. All right. So, I think my first like major experience with minimalism was the night that I got my hands on the um Marie Kondo book, The Life-Changing Magic of Tidying Up, I think is what it's called. And it's like such a beautiful book. And I just read through it super quickly, stayed up really late reading it and just gobbled it up and kind of had this like, (laughs) just like got all of this energy, stayed up super late and just went through my closet like a wild woman. And got rid of like half of my clothes and was like, wow, this is so liberating. This doesn't spark joy. Neither does this. I don't need this in my life anymore. And it was kind of a done deal from that point forward. I just was hooked on, on this different type of life lifestyle. That's like in such contradiction to consumerism that um, I haven't really let it go since then. And um, yeah, and then I and then I started watching, consuming the content from the minimalists and various other people on YouTube. And yeah, just enjoyed like learning little tips and tricks and what other people learned and how it changed their lives. And 
yeah, it's it's kind of neat. It's got like this um, huge following, and it's it's just cool how different people interpret it and how it affects mm-hmm. people's lives. Yeah, yeah, it is really cool. It's really cool to read the stories and um, and even the the ways that different people sort of take this idea and run with it. Like there are minimalist business entrepreneurs and they will like speak like that's their whole job is like speaking about how to be like a minimalist in business and like these principles and wow i don't i I think so if i'm remembering correctly i couldn't name one for you now but um yeah it's just it's really it's really fascinating to me the ways that minimalism if you let it if you want it to can infiltrate everything you do um and really like as as you're saying just become your mindset or at least a part of it but i think there's also this really like minimalism can tug at a lot of feelings i think if you're doing it i want to say if you're doing it right but that's not really what i mean if you're if you're putting that much of yourself into it, right, it's going to cause you to ask some questions. Um, and in, you wrote a blog post for Free Range about minimalism and about your journey with it. And you talk about some, some really beautiful personal stuff in there and sort of your journey through letting go of things that held a lot of sentimental value. And, you know, we can link that blog post below and people can go read it if they like. But I guess I would love for you to talk kind of generally about that process and the, I guess, like the freedom and the catharsis that happens um, when you, yeah, sit with and then decide to let go of these things that are so emotionally charged you know whether they be physical objects or less tangible things um although usually the physical objects that are emotionally charged tend to have some you know they're a lot bigger than their the space that they occupy yeah absolutely it's such a i think i think what you're describing right now is kind of like the part of minimalism that's actually life-changing like that's kind of where Mm -hmm. it really clicks and you you realize wow this is so much more than just kind of like something that's trending on the social medias and this this really kind of links up to um you know eastern spiritual practices improved mental health like that that piece of it is is where the money's at and yeah my experience with minimalism i think is similar to many people's in that the initial piece is kind of this liberating super fun high energy part where you're like wow this is awesome i'm getting rid of so much stuff um it's opening up um you know literal space in my closet this this is just kind of like an enjoyable activity and then once you kind of get through that part you I'll speak to my own personal experience. You, I start started just really looking at, like you were saying, my values. What do I find important in my life? And I felt the urge to match that up with my physical surroundings. So something that I like to do is um, I try to only do like two or three or pursue like two or three major big goals in my life at one time. And mm-hmm anything in my physical surroundings that isn't in line with the, with those goals i try to purge from my life because mm-hmm. that that's kind of like um if i you know if i had to describe it in words kind of my relationship with minimalism as it currently stands and i eventually got to the place in my physical decluttering process where I was hitting the sentimental items and, and that's where all of, you know, the, the difficult emotions come up and where 
minimalism can be so transformative. So yeah, I was going through like sentimental items from a previous relationship, things that I was hanging on to, you know, like with that, with that clinging nature that I think human beings are so comfortable inhabiting. Like we really, we really don't like change. Yeah. And I realized I was just clinging to this stuff in the belief that if I let go of it, I was somehow going to be letting go of how much this person meant to me or the memories that we shared. Mm-hmm. And, and I just kind of realized eventually, no, that's not the case. And in fact, letting it go is kind of just, you know, kind of declaring surrender to the universe at large and saying, this was a beautiful experience. This person meant so much to me, but I'm now ready to um, always hold those experiences and those memories close to my heart. But mm-hmm. I'm ready to experience whatever else is left in store for me in my life and my in my personal journey. And that that exercise of letting go, especially when it's difficult is so it's it's hard to put into words but it's just so like it's empowering it's really humbling and it just it puts you so much closer to that which i find meaningful which is the the journey inward and also the journey out into the world at large that that is just like a couple steps past the barriers that we all tend to create in our lives, you know, with our physical Mm -hmm. stuff, with our, um, you know, with, with our belief systems that we've, we maybe have had in place for so long and haven't had the chance to really question or dismantle. Mm -hmm. And I think grappling with our physical belongings, especially our sentimental stuff and just exercising that surrender, that letting go gets us past those barriers that we create in our lives. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think this so well articulates how mental or like how minimalism is so closely intertwined with our mental health, you know? And uh, I mean, this podcast is about soul healing and I try not to have things on here. I don't want to have things on here that aren't related to that in one way or another. And uh, I think that there are few better ways to really get in touch with our soul than to create space for it, you know? Like, I think our soul is always trying to say things to us. And it's always, like, it's always there. It doesn't really ever leave. But um, we tend to kind of dampen it with <laughs> with our lives and our responsibilities and our stuff and minimalism can teach us to let go of that uh, which can help us hear what's really underneath and uh, can teach us to ask these questions about what is here what is serving me what is not uh yeah and i'd love to hear some of your thoughts on this too about how it you know, more directly relates to mental health. Yeah, you you put that so beautifully in mentioning the soul, which is so, you know, immediately tied to, especially when you're looking at it from a holistic psychiatry standpoint, it's, it's really difficult to talk about mental health and not talk about the soul and like how different people interpret what that means. But yeah, when you were just saying your last comment, I thought about how, um, I mean, children, children are just such a perfect, pure example of this. When you see a kid playing, they're just so in the moment, they're completely present with themselves and everything that's around them. And you can just tell that that little being was born with everything that he or she needs in their life you know, they, they don't need to go shopping. They don't need all of these things that once we're, um, 
cultured with all the programming as adults, we, we start doing the clinging stuff where we think we need this so that we can watch our TV shows or we need to go shopping and buy all of the stuff to give our lives meaning and everything. But I firmly believe that from a soul standpoint, we are born with everything that we need plus some. And, and if we can get out of our own ways and really just sit with ourselves and look inward, which I think a lot of people haven't really had the opportunity to do probably for a very long time as, you know, as consumerists. Mm. Um, yeah, it's, it's just a really powerful, it's a really powerful practice. And I think um, as far as, sp yeah, speaking specifically to mental health, I think real healing happens when we allow ourselves to um, be present with, with the difficult emotions that we experience as humans, whether that's, mm -hmm. you know, from something that happened that day or experiences that we haven't really been able to process from childhood, whatever it may be. Minimalism allows us to kind of get out of you know, get the, get the distractions out of the way so that there is nothing left, but the task of facing yourself, which mm. it sounds simple, but it can actually be quite terrifying because we live in such a busy modern world. You know, we all have obligations, high stress jobs, um, children to care for, so many different tasks that that really serve as distractions and then add on top of that 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 our our culture is so set up in a materialistic way and we really worship consumerism that finding that that empty space that allows us to really actually face ourselves and our and our difficult emotions or or our emotions in general really whether they're difficult or not is pretty rare in this day and age I think and mm. what what I'm finding and you know I set out to be a minimalist not because I'm also <laughs> not because I'm a psychiatrist but it turns out that the two really do go hand in hand because I mean there's there's not much more healing than creating a space where you can truly kind of engage in that work of diving inward and, and processing your emotions and allowing yourself the space to, to sit with yourself non-judgmentally. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that's one of the most underrated and under, under talked about not like, it's not talked about enough, this idea, this fact that when we are processing, when we are going through hard times, when we are doing the hard work we need space for that and mm -hmm. uh, most of us i think in our lives don't have like don't have enough space to even like exist as our full selves anyway regardless of ourselves and all the stuff we're trying to unpack um it's you know and i've i've seen how that's showed up in my life in a lot of ways and sometimes it's just like I need days where nothing is scheduled and uh you know drastic like decreases in my responsibilities for a period of time to let my body do its thing or lots of sleep or just to like go sit in a field and not be surrounded by stuff but yeah, I think minimalism is just is so good at teaching us these basic principles that like you you initially start to practice them with your physical stuff and like with your closet and uh, then it just kind of moves on from there. Like if you really get into it, um, if you're really drawn towards it, you start to integrate those ideas like that's totally what happened for me is I was like okay 
I kind of like, I'm going to purge some of the stuff. I'm going to get rid of some of my things. And then you just, I just got super curious about it. I was like, what, where else does this go? You know, like, where is this leading me? And I think this is one of my favorite things that minimalism teaches us is that we always have the option of letting go. Like, nothing has to stay in our lives, even if it's super sentimental, even if it's so deeply ingrained in you. You know, I mean, to tie it into mental health, like, a lot of us have ideas about ourselves from childhood, you know, even kind of short statements, but big picture things of, oh, well, I'll never be good enough. I'm never going to live up to so-and-so's expectations. I'm not going to be this thing, or I'm too this, or I'm, you know, I'm too emotional, or I'm not whatever. And uh, minimalism teaches us that, like, yeah, no matter how far back it goes, you can let go of that shit. Oh, absolutely. You don't have to hold on to it. Um, And that's so freeing. And I love that. It's so hard, so hard in practice, but like it teaches us that it's possible, right? I think that's the big thing. Yeah, so well said. And what you just made me think about um, is that, yeah, so we, we send ourselves messages all the time that are very ingrained and stemming from a lot of the times from childhood experiences and things that our caregivers constantly told us or showed us from their behavior. And a lot of those messages aren't always positive or helpful, right? And I think that what we tend to do is we tend to create our environment in such a way that the, that those same messages are reflected back to us. And minimalism yeah, is, can be really do. powerful right? Yeah. That when, yeah, when you engage in this practice, you, you really kind of take, take your personal power back because you can really cultivate your physical environment to send you the messages that you want to hear, even if they don't yet feel Mm. authentic. And it may, it makes me think of, um, the other day I watched a minimalist YouTuber she she posted a video um, where she talked about the author um, Fumio Sasaki, who wrote a book called Goodbye Things. And I haven't read the book myself yet, but she described how in this book, he talks about the fact that the physical objects that are in our lives send us silent messages all the time. And they, so, every, you know, people tend to write, write out a to-do list every morning, or, you know, some people do. But what we don't realize is Mm -hmm. that there is a silent to-do list that's always around us. And it's dictated by our physical belongings. Um, And a perfect example of this is like, you know, if, if your house is messy and you've got um, a bunch of dirty dishes on the counter, the message that those that those items are sending you is i'm dirty clean me right and then if you're thinking about your closet if you're hanging on to something that doesn't fit you anymore um and you're now like a bigger size the message that that thing is sending you is it could be really negative like you're fat why don't you lose weight so you can wear me again and i think it's what minimalism does is it really asks you to question what what are the messages that are being sent your way and if you're surrounded by physical objects that are sending you those types of negative messages constantly that's a perfect recipe for you know depression anxiety high levels of stress there they've even conducted studies that show women who are surrounded by more clutter in the home tend to have higher cortisol levels which um you know, is linked to mental illness and and physical illness as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Cortisol is just that basic stress hormone. 
uh, mm-hmm. that contributes to all kinds of inflammation and things. Yeah. Yeah. I love this idea of, you know, your things are, are sending messages to you. Um, and also this idea of intentionality that kind of springs from that. It's like, okay, if I, if everything in my space is sending me a message, like, then gosh darn it, I'm going to make sure it's a message that I want to hear. And uh, then you can be, you can be intentional with how you're crafting that, you know, with how you're crafting your space. And so like right now in, in my life, something that I'm thinking through a lot is like, I have a lot of things that I love and like things that have been with me for a long time um but also have like seen me through a lot of hard times in my life and like have a lot of emotional energy um into them you know and I'm like I really appreciate you thing like pillow on the couch that I've cried into a lot or like you know a plant that has been with me for 10 years or whatever um, but I'm ready for a new kind of energy now, you know, and, uh, being able to acknowledge that that exists and that I can make that choice and I can say, yes, like you will move on to a new home. And, uh, so will I, <laughs> uh, is, yeah. um, it's really cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's really impressive. It's. It takes so much courage to do this too, with, especially yeah. with the objects that you're describing that that carry not just good, not just bad, but like complicated stories mm-hmm. where that item is just really meaningful to you. Um, and it makes it that much harder to let it go, I think. Yeah. But on, on the other side of that is, you know, infinite possibilities and you won't know what those are unless you create that space in, in your life. Um, mm-hmm. But man, it's not easy. It, no. it gets tough. It gets tough with that stuff. <laughs> it does. It really does. It really does. Um, to adopt minimalism as a mindset and a lifestyle is one of, it's a very challenging thing. It's a very challenging thing to do in our consumeristic, emotionally attached culture, but it's so worthwhile. Like, it allows you to really be you, you know, and who you want to be. Not all of your stuff, not all of the messages that they're sending you, not these relationships that you don't want to have, not these things that aren't serving you, but like, at the end of the day, who you want to be and nothing more and nothing less which I love. Um, Absolutely. And uh, I'd love to wrap this up with uh, perhaps one of your favorite things about minimalism. One of my favorite things about minimalism. Hmm. I think, yeah, it's so hard to put into words, but I think I simultaneously love how freeing minimalism is and how much joy it brings into my life while it also is so incredibly challenging in the way that you just described. Like there's always, it it never gets boring and there's always another step to go. Even when you, even, even when you've really taken care of all the physical stuff, like you really don't have much physical belongings in your life anymore there's always another there's there's a deeper level to dive into as you really cultivate a life where where you're in alignment with your values mm-hmm. whether that's in career relationships and i th- you know now that i think about it a little bit further i think my absolute favorite part about minimalism is that it taught me that each one of us is enough as we are. And I kind of mentioned this earlier on in the show, but you don't, all the stuff that you think you need in your life, you really don't. You're, you're enough. And I guess I would just invite all of the listeners to 
challenge themselves in realizing that and being curious as to what what emotions come up for them when they remove those distractions from their life. Yeah. So well said. So well said. I think that, you know, as with anything that I talk about on this show, like first up is always just to start getting curious, you know, to start noticing the things that are around you, how you feel about them and, and go from there. But it always starts with curiosity. So thank you so much for being on the show today and sharing all of your experiences and thoughts about minimalism and life uh, because (laughs) minimalism tends to find its way into a lot of things. So thank you. This has been super fun and flew by also. Honestly, I can't believe we've been talking for this long already. That's awesome. (laughs) yeah absolutely thank you so much for for having me on it's an absolute honor yeah you're very welcome well thank you so much for tuning in dear listeners You can find all the links to the things we spoke about in the show notes, as well as a list of some of our favorite minimalist YouTubers. And if you have any questions, thoughts, feedback, things you want to share with us, ideas for future episodes, please get in touch. I really want to hear from you. You can send me an email at podcast at freerangepsych.org or message me on Instagram at psychiatriapodcast. And remember, if you like what you heard, Follow us on your podcatcher of choice and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. It really, really helps to spread the word so that others can hear the show and learn about true soul healing and all of the ways out there to explore that. And as always, this podcast is brought to you by Free Range Psychiatry, a nonprofit holistic psychiatry practice that aims to empower people to connect to their inner wisdom, to heal disease through loving their authentic selves. You can read more about the practice and learn if it might be a good fit for you on their website, freerangepsych.org, also linked in the show notes. Okay, dear listeners. Thank you so much. Take care, and I'll catch you next time.